hey, hey, and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sheeran, and I'm the host of this podcast. And I'm super excited to be hanging out with you guys today. And we've got a different episode. We're going back to the ITC files. I really wanted to release this episode with my friend Brian Edelman. But before we get there, I want to talk to you about my sponsors a little bit and my title sponsor, uh, my main man sponsor, the ones who uh, have been with me uh, for almost a year now. Smart Choice, the fastest growing agency network, hands down, no lengthy contracts. They have no upfront fees, uh, no monthly fees, no fees at all. They operate completely on a commission split. And that's only off the contracts that you have through Smart Choice. They don't want you to bring all their carriers underneath their umbrella or anything like that. It's just uh, they want to help you. And they will even work with you to raise your commissions and lower your volume requirements and your premium thresholds. And they share in their profit sharing with you and their contingencies and bonuses and all those cool things. Uh, Smart Choice just wants to help you. Uh, go to smartchoiceagents.com and check it out. Tell them the mayor sent you. You'll be glad that you did. I also want to talk to you about my good friends over at CoverDesk. They do a phenomenal job with virtual assistants. They know our game. Uh, they know what we do. They know the insurance space. They have all the controls in place to help from a security standpoint they also train very well, and uh, they, they just have an awesome, awesome company. They also can help you with, with projects, whether it's a book roll or with some new business things uh, or whatever the project may be through CoverDesk Direct. So there's several different points of entry into CoverDesk. So go to CoverDesk.com. Tell them the mayor sent you. You'll be so glad you did. And you get a discount as well. Uh, make sure you check that out. Tell Andy that I sent you. So on to today's show, we got my man, Brian Edelman from FCI Cyber. I met this guy at ITC back in October, and I really am glad that I got to have this conversation because it was a short conversation, but it was very impactful. And I think what he talks about is something that hits all of us, uh, whether you uh, own an agency or producer or you're in the uh, carrier world or the association, cyber affects us all. And this conversation is cool. Also, if you play around in the uh, life and health space, or if you're a financial advisor listening to this show, which I've got several of that have emailed me, shout out to you guys too. Uh, this guy started off working with uh, Northwestern Mutual actually on their cyber and whatnot, helping with um, with that avenue and making sure everything was up to code there and everything was cool there. So he's done work with financial advisors, but also he's doing some work in, in other areas. And so I really think that this conversation is a cool one for you to check out. So uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Mr. Brian Edelman. Ladies and gentlemen, live again, day two of InsureTech Connect. I'm sitting here with a uh, good friend now, uh, Brian Edelman, for a little bit, and I got to know each other, and I really wanted to bring him on to talk to you. Tell me, uh, what was day one like for you? Did you get some accomplishments done that you wanted to? Did you get to meet certain people? And how was that? It was fantastic, actually. This is the first time at the conference, and I have to say, all of the things leading up to the conference were excellent. They, they, the application, they let us see who was attending, allowed us to set up some meetings. We've had some really meaningful uh, connections already. 
Um, it is a very well-organized conference for its size. It's a very large conference and very impressed in the way that they've handled the conference. That, that's something that shocks me the most is how organized it is, truly, with 6,000-odd people here, whatever it might be. It may be more than 6,000, but it's a lot. It's pretty organized. It's extremely organized. And it's crazy. everybody's been so helpful, and they've been really conscious of the safety and security of everybody that's here. So they really did a lot of thinking ahead of time in yeah. order to make sure that that was taken care of. So kudos to the conference. They, they did a great job and we will be back. Look at you using safety and security. Were you trying to, to make me take that leap to, to talking about you there? Is that what that was? Just trying to help. Just doing everything <laughs> I can. Help. Helping up transitions. I get it. So since you're just dying to talk about it, tell me a little bit about FCI uh, Cyber, what you guys are doing. And, you know, tell me a little bit about your background and how you led to that. Well, my background actually was a second generation financial advisor. I came into the business where my mother was one of the first female financial advisors. So growing up as a financial advisor, I felt a great obligation to the financial services industry. Sure. In 1995, I decided to to go on. I I had an itch to be an entrepreneur and I decided and was very passionate about protecting the private data. My mother and I were working on uh, many billionaires uh, estate plans. Oh, wow. And those billionaires required us to keep that private information safe. And when I recognized how important that was, it just, it just grew a passion for it to make sure that financial advisors were keeping the information, that private information they collect from clients, safe and secure. And that's become even more of a hotter topic at the later date. You said you've been doing this, I hear, 25 years? Over 25 years. So what did that look like in the earlier days? People look at you like you had two heads. You start talking about cybersecurity. Yeah, uh, they 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 did at first, but yeah. but the firms that we worked with, even back then, uh, they would incorporate that in their discussions with with their clients. And certainly, you know, the privacy of these very wealthy people is critical to them because sure. they share information with that advisor that even their kids don't know about. Yep. So we used to get involved and this was, you know, kudos to my mother to have a different approach to financial services, but she had yeah. an emotional approach to financial services. Sure. So she knew how our clients felt about their children and that information right there yeah. needs to be protected. It does need to be protected. I think it's uh, very valuable what you're talking about. And so when I get, let me ask you this, when I go on, I was, you know, creeping you a little bit and I was looking at your Facebook, your social, maybe y'all's uh, website. What is SOAR, Security Orchestration Automation and Response? What does that mean? So, you know, in working with my mother over the years, if I were to tell her to click a button or to change a setting on a computer, it just, it, it would never be done right. And, and not, <laughs> right? she's a financial advisor and not a cybersecurity expert. Right. So what we did is we built in automation so that there was consistency behind setting those settings. So if I called her up on the phone and, hey, say, Ma, you need to set up your uh, your screensaver settings and lock it. Yeah. SOAR is simply the automation of the cybersecurity settings that are required by the regulator. So did you guys come up with SOAR? Is that proprietary to you? Or is that, you know, somebody else's that you white labeled or? No, SOAR is actually a, you know, what we found. And it was interesting because, you know, being a pioneer in cybersecurity and financial services, there weren't any names to anything. So, so a lot of this stuff was, you know, uh, just, it was identifying what we were doing. Um, sure. Turns out that SOAR is a major, major important component of cybersecurity. And that is, uh, it's, it stands, you know, basically for the automation of cybersecurity. Oh, well, um, but that's y'all's? No, it's okay. a very big space. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, well, I noticed on your website, I thought it was interesting. Um, and then you guys also, so, you know, as part of that, you also work with, um, 
MFA and like secure password, stuff like that too, correct? Correct. So, so ultimately what the regulators did is they created a prescriptive requirement for financial advisors to remain safe. Multi-factor authentication is one of those tools. Now, what we did is we said, well, you can't just have these tools independently. How do we create an ecosystem around this cybersecurity so that in essence, it's so simple to deploy. Because remember, simplicity, if, if we're talking about securing financial advisors, if it's not simple, it's not going to be done right. They're, they're financial advisors, not cyber experts. So by creating that ecosystem, imagine now you log into a system that looks at your computer and looks for what's missing, multi-factor being one of those prescriptive requirements by the regulators and a very important part of keeping information safe. So you you mentioned uh, financial advisors several times. Does that also you know include a broader spectrum of maybe insurance agents or people like that that are listening to my show now? Right. So the best implementations that we've done typically involve the CISO of a financial institution. That CISO has and and is watching over the regulations and is creating what they desire the requirements to be out in the field to sure. then help them to create a decentralized approach. So they create security officers in the field. So each agency has their own security uh, officer. Okay. We work very closely with that security officer to help them fulfill on that information security policy, even though our part of that is endpoint security. So we work with them. We built the processes around what they need to do to keep the information safe stem from that endpoint. So it has to do with when I get a new computer, how do I introduce it to our system? When I'm no longer using that computer, how do I decommission it properly according to the, the, the best practice, but also what we're required to from the regulation? So when, when I say ecosystem, it's really the enterprise that typically has the systems of private data. All of the vendors that are here and magnificent vendors that are here, they all have that private data and the enterprise knows how to secure it within their identity providers and, and their intranet sites. So when they do that, They've secured the system, but remember, because we're using web technology, it's not like the old days when everything was on a client-server approach. People are connecting to those those systems with computers that we may or may not know. Okay, so sounds to me, you know, to put it simply, at least for my little brain, sounds like you're, you're kind of a bouncer uh, for those, you know, to see who gets in, who gets out, or who's allowed in. Would you see it that way? That Maybe a bouncer with a velvet rope? Uh, a combination. Imagine we were a bouncer with a velvet rope that had a great set of, of clothing so that when you come into the environment, that yeah. you look like you're supposed to look when you get inside the club. That's Okay. So, okay, I got you. So you do dress code enforcement and you're bouncing them in and right, out. Right, right. Yeah. So, so if, they, if they don't look right when they're coming in, we don't let them into the club. There you we go. just simply take them over. We get them the right clothes and we give, as part of our service, the clothes are included. So there just you imagine everybody like that. in that club is, is properly uh, attired. Okay. And so, you know, with the, that's good. When you got the, the pandemic, we've been through in the last little bit, we've got a lot more people working virtually or working from home. And I've seen... You know, growing up, you know, when I was in college and even younger days in insurance, we had BIOB. Now you hear a lot more of that BYOD. Tell me what uh, BYOD is and what you guys are doing with unknown computers versus known computers. And that's exactly what it is. It's, it's an unknown computer. So, so that's one of the biggest risks within financial services is that unknown computer. Because if that unknown computer can access our systems of private data, whether it be an illustration system, a quoting system, uh, you name it, whatever it is, you know, if, whatever it is, when we're accessing that enterprise data, if I'm on a device that has the ability to download that private data, now that device has to become a known device. Sure, that and, makes sense. And when you do that, 
now we can turn around and we've created again that that closed ecosystem so it doesn't require a technician or anybody somebody logs in it says i don't know this device and now that it says you have to be a known device what we're seeing is that people that were using devices that they shouldn't have a family computer that everybody logs in the same the same way so any data that was downloaded your your policy data or any of the information you're downloading is available to everybody in that household or the kids are playing games on the computer or you know or you're at your girlfriend's house and you're using her computer because you can't you know and you need to be able to check your email the minute you connect to an email system that has all that private data the minute that you connect to uh, a just any system, a CRM system, and it has that private data, that's where one of the biggest risks with all these systems are. So now what happens yeah. is by sending them a message that says, if you're using a computer, this better be a, a dedicated business use computer. A lot of times they turn around and say, you know what? I don't want to install anything on this computer. And that's the right answer. Yeah, definitely. Now, do you uh, help, you know, I mean, some of these examples are pretty easy and cut and dry. Uh, with the unknown versus known, but is there any other you know items you guys educate on or things that you put out there content-wise to help some of your clients look for some of these? Absolutely. As part of the process, there's pro- policies and procedures that are tied to that device. So a perfect example is if you're no longer using a device, do you just shut it off? Well, if you do that, it becomes a, 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 at some point, do we forget to continue to protect it? You yeah. know, what do we do with that device we no longer use? Sure. How do we evidence? And, and we are in the evidence business. So in compliance, we're evidencing that compliance. And as an independent third party, it also allows us to deal with an independent financial advisory world. So you look at those requirements and you say, well, can the home office do something like this? Well, if they have independent financial advisors and they might have data from other institutions, the answer is you want to have that independent third party, FCI. Sure. So imagine that, you know, with our systems, we're helping to educate those security officers because a CISO has a really big role. A big, big and, role. And, yeah. and, and they have to watch over, you know, the vendor due diligence at the enterprise. They have to watch over the addition and, and removal of people that are working for the firm, no longer working with the firm at that big enterprise. You have to deal with user rights. And there's so many things that they have to deal with when it comes to being able to secure the different branch offices that they have, or if they're agencies or whatever you want to call those remote offices, what we've helped is to help make sure that that person at the remote office is trained on a new computer shows up, making sure that it, it's it's good. Because again, things can happen. Also educating the end users about where they send data to. So that's been a big thing today. Okay. Is, is now we're, we're not only today, protecting that device with the safeguards as they're referred to so that if there is a breach, you can show that at least you did what you could do to keep that data safe. Sure. But now we're even talking about data exfiltration. So what that simply means is where is the data going? So if I go to a system of private data, I log into the intranet side of my my enterprise okay, yeah. and I download the data to the computer. Am I allowed to just use any system to deliver that, that information or should there be some controls that say, if I'm delivering private data that I need to, for example, send it encrypted yeah. through email or should I send it through our secure uh, OneDrive, which maybe I'm getting from Office 365. Sure. Um, so there, there now is a, a, an attention to now that we've solved the issue around making sure that a device is is secure. The question is, after that, is the end user trained enough to know how to handle that private data of their clients? 
know what that sound means. We're at a mid-roll ad, and I'm so glad that you're hanging out with us and with Brian Edelman. I really hope this conversation is one that uh, you're enjoying. And I hate to break in on such a small conversation or a short conversation, but uh, it's very important that I I talk about uh, my newest sponsor in Agency Performance Partners. They've got a new course coming out in uh, January of 2022 on hiring, onboarding, and retaining your staff. Wow, has that been an issue that's come up and something that's hit the mailbag with me personally and agencies I've worked with, um, not just in the past year, but several years, and that's hiring and onboarding and keeping your staff and the culture in an agency. And this course uh, breaks down everything from where to post your jobs to how to interview, um, how to write that job description to the culture in your agency, all of those things and it gets into retaining your staff and how you can do that better and onboarding. You know, that's another thing. We talk about onboarding experience for your clients, but we don't, you know, sometimes we neglect the onboarding of your um, your new hires. So that's something else discussed in this course put out by APP. So make sure you check that out. And if you sign up quickly uh, during the launch phase, you'll get a significant discount, um, a significant discount. So uh, you can also check out the discount by using discount code Heath. So uh, make sure you put that in the checkout as well when you talk to them over at Agency Performance Partners. Go to agencyperformancepartners.com and check it out. My other phenomenal sponsors here uh, on this show that I'm so thankful for is Canopy Connect, your one-click solution to getting the deck pages that you need to quote your prospects. Uh, They do a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal job. And I cannot tell you enough each and every week, hands down, I hear the most about all of my sponsors, but the most I hear about the Canopy Connect because they do such a good job and it's so affordable and it it can help any agency. Um, If you're involved in personal lines or you're trying to grow in that area, this is a, a game changer. And they're integrating with so many AMS systems, they're integrating with so many different tech vendors and things going on out there. Tolga, Robert, Casey, all the developers and the team, and they're all phenomenal people to work with. Go to usecanopy.com backslash Heath, get a hefty discount, schedule a demo, check out the videos I've put out there to help. Uh, it's phenomenal. I love working with Canopy Connect and all my sponsors, but let's get back to the show. You know, worked for different carriers over the years. There's always a big emphasis, at least the last four or five years, of taking all these courses, you know, to protect. And I was real bad about, you know, opening emails I shouldn't have, uh, phishing or with this or that. It's easy. They're so good. Yeah, they're really good. Bad actors have gotten so good. It's and they make it look like it's an email from an actual client or from my boss or from Brian Edelman. It's really not from Brian Edelman, right? And, you know, it's scary for the end user that falls for it. Every so they don't time. want to report it because now all of a sudden they don't want to look like, oh, my God, I shouldn't have done that. And they try to go back in time. They just wish they could go yep. five minutes back in time and not click the link that they just did and watch their computer just have some flash on it and go, I shouldn't have done that. Yep. So the key is, is then to create that ecosystem and that environment of education to say, when that happens, who should I go to? Now, you don't want them going to the CISO of a major enterprise. No. You want them going to the field CISO. You want them going to somebody within that group that knows what to do. Sure. And that's really, you know, where that, that you know, 
being in charge of making sure that those endpoints are secure, we also get involved in assisting them with our understanding of, of what those regulatory Right. And that was, you know, my next question would be if, even though they have all the safeguards in place, if there is somehow a breach or something that happens, where do you guys step in and where do you help out in that? And what kind of advice might you give to agents or financial advisors to help them prevent some of these cases? Um, well, we're a pre-breach firm, so we don't we don't get paid for post-breach. So therefore, okay. we're also the most independent post-breach that there is because we're not making extra money because somebody had a breach. Yeah. So our belief is if you follow the regulatory requirements, and they're great, they did a great job. NIST, which is the national framework for cybersecurity that they created a couple of years ago, that many of the financial uh regulators have adopted is terrific. It really is a game plan to keep everything safe, which talks about everything from information security policies to protecting the devices to you name it. It's a framework that tells them exactly what to do. Right. And and it's been very effective because the reality is with the amount of people that we protect and the fact that the the percentage of, of breaches that take place in our environment is so small. I mean, yeah. we have tens of thousands of, of, of parties that we're responsible for. And, and because they know to reach out to that security officer, because that security officer knows to reach out to us, because we're providing a monitoring service for cybersecurity that tells them most of the time we already know and have, have prevented, when I clicked on that link, they didn't get to that bad actor's website. Right. But the bad actors have gotten that good. They've gotten really real good. So scary. They've gotten real good. It is very scary. Um, so I'm glad there's, you know, there's companies out, out there like you guys and that are educating and are helping in our space uh, in the financial advisor space. Uh, and I'm glad that that passion's carried over from your mom, even, you know, going back that far with the financial advising. And I hope there's more people like you that continue to come along, you know, that just want to help us out, just want to protect us. Anybody selling insurance, investments, planning, you know, those items are so critically important yeah. to, to, to families. Yep. And, and that's really, you know, what it's about. It's about making sure that those families are safe and secure and they're doing it through their financial tools. And then when they get the cyber piece of it and think of the customer that, that when you can talk about how you're protecting their private data, it creates a, a, a separation, right? So yeah. do you want to work with an advisor that's, that's keeping your information safe? Or do you want to work with an advisor that's sitting there with your private information open on a desk for, let's say the cleaning service to take pictures yep. and, and open up a bank account and start, you know, creating some fraud. There. Exactly. So. Yeah. My, uh, you know, my wife, you know, had the cyber insurance, took care of everything she was supposed to, you know, um, she was a victim of that several years back. Um, and it, it completely ruined, you know, so many things. And it's a day that's just. The post breach is. Oh, if it's, it's awful. And, and that's why we assist and we do it complimentary for our clients. We're yeah. dealing with a situation right now. You know, and we're dealing with situations all the time. The IT team turned around, and that's one of the challenges. IT teams taking on cyber when they're not versed in financial it's, services yeah. and cyber. It's a difference. They're not bad or wrong. It's just a different discipline. It's it like, you know, I used to be a life insurance sales guy. Did that make me qualified to sell commercial insurance? <laughs> no. no, I bring an expert in for that. Right. right. So, so we're used to that in our in the industry. Yet, because technology is this this mystery box. People don't realize how important it is to have that expertise and separation. So in this particular case, you had an IT firm uh -huh. and a bad actor. Somebody clicked on an email. It always seems to start that way. Always. Um, the IT team decided it was a good idea, number one, to delete the origination email. So now we... we now we, we don't know where it came from. Yeah. And all too often, the IT teams delete all of the evidence that we need in order to assist a client. So 
our pre-breach responsibility is around evidence. And the more evidence that we can provide to a post-breach firm, whether it be the insurance company that's hiring people or whatever it is, that helps them to, to create a better outcome for our client yeah. because we prepare that pre-breach package in a way that allows for even the FBI to come in. And multiple occasions, the FBI has, we have a 100% success rate with the FBI in recovering money. And it's because of, of two things. One that's is, cool. One is timing. Yeah. We get them all the things that they need, you know, in order to be able to pursue the dollars. And, and it's, it's about timing because the longer yeah. that they have access to your systems, the more damage they can do. So we get that, that package to the post uh, breach where they can then execute and limit, for example, in this particular case, this morning, the IT firm wanted to delete the computer that had the evidence on what was exposed. You can't do that. Well, if you do, it becomes a full breach, which right. means every client needs to be notified. Oh, yeah. Now, that might be good for the post-breach firm and make them happy, but, but the customer is not very happy that everybody had to be notified, sure. even though it could have only affected three or four people. And that, that letter, that notification that goes out, is not a, it's a scary letter. You know, you get phone calls like, wait, what? You were breached? You got my information? Right. What do I need to do? And they freak out uh, because we had right. to field a lot of those calls several years back. And it's just, you know, uh, a scary thing for the, you know, the person who got their stuff, you know, taken from them and from the agent or financial advisor. Right. All the above, it's not a good day when you have a cyber breach. And prior to all of this, the uh, everybody was taking their chances, right? Who's going to catch me? You know, uh, yeah. And, and and now all of a sudden, you have to say to yourself, "Do you want to be in a situation?" So the absence of the requirements by the regulators are twofold. Yeah. One is if you follow their guidance, you'll have all of the things in place that would demonstrate that you have a culture of cybersecurity and that you're trying to protect that data, which means you're not negligent. Uh -huh. Because they got prescriptive, like before a couple of years ago, they weren't very prescriptive. They just said things like keep the information safe. Well, then there's then then you can't be deemed negligent if if that's the case, because you yeah. it's in, it's left to interpretation. Yeah. Today, they switched to a prescriptive. So now the regulators are very prescriptive. They tell you what you have to do. Okay. And evidence is required. And the insurance companies, the cyber insurance companies, also ask for evidence. Not at the time they accept premiums. They're very smart like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give them credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time you accept an application for insurance, the representations made, I have to assume they're correct because the guy's going to give me a check and I'm going to get a commission. Right. But the reality is, it's, it's the client's responsibility when they make a representation, like all our devices are encrypted. I see that on the applications all the time, Yeah, that all your devices are encrypted. You had better take that evidence of every representation you make about cyber and keep it with that application for insurance to make sure that that, that carrier can, can, will, number one, participate in, in your post-breach response. This, yeah. Secondly, the, the more comprehensive a pre-breach package is given to that post-breach firm, the less likely they're going to send out notification to every single client. So it's that combination. It's a deadly combination. Yeah. That's pretty solid. Um, so I was going through, I think I've gone through most of my notes, which is good. Um, is there anything that we've left out or anything that you wanted to share or a passion of yours that you wanted to get out there that we didn't talk about yet? Um, or, uh, you know, you want to get out before we shut down? You know, when it comes to cybersecurity, it's not, it's not, I do some of my devices. It's an all or nothing game. Okay. I like and, that. And now 
that means that it's important for us to know all of the devices that connect to the private data and that they're controlled. So it's, it's, it's an absolute uh, and it's important for people to know that. So you can't just say, well, some of my computers are encrypted, but some aren't. They don't ask that. They, they want to know that they're all encrypted. They want to know that they're all protected. So I want you know everyone to know that it is an all and it is a lot of components to cyber. It's training and that's an sure. important component. It's the tools to keep them safe. It's it's the efforts that they make at the enterprise, but we help them bring it down to the field. So okay, uh, thank you for sharing. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Uh, I enjoyed every bit of it. I was trying to think. Um, I don't think I have anything else. We've got into some good stuff, um, and you're going to be here the rest of the week. I'm going to be here the rest of the week. Awesome. I look uh, forward to. It. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I'm going to try to. Did you have a booth or anything over there? Or? No. Just hanging out. Can you imagine if we had a booth about cybersecurity? Who's going to want to go to that booth? Come on. <laughs> what should I do? Get a, a bunch of like, you know, it'd be, I have to think creatively on how to you get would people have to. to the booth. But yeah. People people would avoid that booth like, you know, you know I get it's it. A, it's you a know. hot topic right now, though. So. It is a hot topic, but it's a topic through automation. We can we can make the problem go away. It's it's definitely not a topic that, that you know, it, are they going to come up and start to share their war stories? Yeah, I don't know. No, but some of those stories are some doozies. Um, we so, could spend a lot of time on those because I see them all. Oh, I bet. And I know, uh, I know, you know, again, you know, we deal with so many financial institutions. So our clients, being the advisors, are sure. connected to all these financial institutions. We know who's doing their part and who still needs a lot of work. So there's a lot of work that has to get done. There you go. Um if someone listening wanted to get more information or learn more or be involved more with FCI Cyber, uh, tell them you know how they could do that. Uh, if they could reach out to you somehow, or what's the process look like? Uh, the best way, and we keep things simple: info at fcicyber.com. Okay, they send a note there, and it will get to the right team on my side. Perfect. And then let's see. You guys were you know uh, featured on CNBC and some other places like that. That's we, exciting. We are featured on CNBC. Uh, we we are doing what we can to, to make sure that 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 we can help the industry be safe and secure. I've seen you put some articles out there, and you've done some stuff like that. So I appreciate you educating us and putting out some good content. And so I'm glad you guys are here. I'm glad you guys exist to help our industry and you know financial advisors and just protecting us in general. Thank you again. I appreciate everything. Thank you, and thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you have a good time the rest of your week. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, guys, for hanging out with me and Brian Edelman today. What a cool conversation that we had back in the ITC days. And I was so thankful for that spark, that sponsorship and that partnership that I had with ITC. And I look forward to that again next year. And I hope some of you guys will join me in that. It's uh, an incredible conference. I really got a lot of, I really hope the conversation that we had helped you become a better insurance professional. And I really appreciate the mailbag. I keep mentioning it, bring it up, but I want you to reach out to me, Heath at insurancetownpodcast.com. As we go into 2022, I want to make some changes in the show. I want to do some big things, and uh, I want to make some changes and add some different contents. If you get some ideas, please don't hesitate to reach out to me, Heath at insurancetownpodcast.com. If you've got an idea for your own show, go to getreadysetpodcast.com. Reach out to my man, Ryan, and uh, you know all you do is just record and do you, and he does all the rest. Ready, set, podcast, turning your brilliant idea into a reality. Thanks again, guys. I look forward to hanging out with you again next week.